This is part two of my conversation with Venerable Dr. Kame Damasami, a Theravada Buddhist monk and meditation, Vipassana meditation teacher. I would recommend listening to part one to understand a bit of background about him and the culture and lifestyle of monkhood. In this episode, we dive deeper into learning about why people have a disconnection with nature, how fear and self-centeredness are the emotions that impact our relationship to the environment, how to do walking meditation and approaching the design process with Buddhist philosophies. Now these are just a few things we touch on and there is a lot to uncover so I will keep this introduction very brief. Enjoy part two. Let's well let's bring it now to really mindfulness within landscape and essentially how we connect the ecological aspect back to Buddhism. I mean, first of all, uh, how how do you yourself feel within the natural landscape? When you go out for the walk in the grounds at the monastery, how do you connect to the landscape? <coughs> I would <coughs> I will have two moments. One of them is when I when I'm self-centered, when I'm quite occupied with myself, with my own anxiety, <coughs> what I have to do, and like everyone else in the world, or my own place in the society, what I do, what I write, what I don't write. The way that we always feel anxious how we define ourselves or how we are defined by other people. Well, meaning, when we feel self-centered, we are so mm. occupied with ourselves, yes. our own place. Yes. In that moment, uh, you feel less connected with the nature, with the earth, with the green grass, with the fallen leaves, with the trees, uh, with the river, uh, you tend to complain. You have a lot of complaint if the path is uneven. Because you think the path is there to serve you. And if it's not even, I mean it's not doing its good job. So this is when <coughs> when we are full of ourselves and when we are less mindful. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, how we connect with the environment. The environment is for me. Okay. But the other moment, um, when I'm less anxious. Uh, when I I don't worry about my position in the society. Um, Just out of meditation 
And when I can connect with everyone, okay, in my life, uh, I feel their positive energy. I feel their pain. So in that kind of moment, I would feel the environment as a living being, as a living um, as a living nature. Okay. The trees, the earth, um, the river, the sky, the wind, uh, they all have their need. They, have, they all have their need. Um, when I walk, if the path is uneven, maybe that's the need of the earth. To be that way. Mm -hmm. Okay. If some part of the grass is overgrown, that may be the, the need for some uh, species, for some um, wildlife. Now, I have, I mean, I can spare thought, my thought and my energy for them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so, two moments. Mm. One moment when we are rather self-occupied, the other when we allow ourselves to become part of uh, the nature. Mm. In that sense, in the second moment, okay, when we are less anxious, we don't actually want to change so much of the the nature <coughs> because the nature he has its own design. Mm. Uh, when I want to. When I'm anxious, actually, I want to change everything. I want to change tree. This tree <laughs> should be a little bit two meters away from <laughs> here. Maybe the yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we experience it in our working lives <laughs> when dealing with um, clients or even ourselves as designers. You know, when we're designing a particular scheme, then we want things to be a certain way of you know to to make it look a certain way because we define beauty and aesthetics in our own mind mm. so we can force our own ideas really as a, as as on nature as as a customer if i come to you as a very self-centered person and here to take care of my my need and my expectation mm -hmm. You can only survive as a professional if you uh, tailor your knowledge um, to my desire and expectation. Mm, yes. Um, in that sense, you can become equally self-centered. Mm. Right. The need of the environment becomes second. Yes. As a human being, actually, <coughs> this is one of the things that I didn't understand when I was young. The Buddha said everything was down to greed, um, anger, and delusion, the three uh, negative roots of the mind. And he said, when people become more greedy, and then they okay, have more tempers towards each other. 
uh, mood hampers in what they say, in what they write, in their mutual exchange. That will affect the environment. I didn't quite understand this when I was young. Mm. I didn't have. Uh, mm, I couldn't connect the psychological existence, sociological existence, and environmental um, welfare and well-being. I couldn't connect that. So how do you see it now? Now I can connect. It makes perfect sense. Can you explain? How they connect in some mm. way. Um. Mm-hmm. For example, mm-hmm. now I I want to be a little bit uh, political and controversial. In some country, for example, in my hometown, in my hometown, uh, in, in the part of my hometown in Shan State, in Myanmar, in Burma. Uh, for the last forty years, okay. Um, I think I left home about forty years. <coughs> uh, looking back, maybe about eighty percent of our forests are gone. Yes. Mm, this is because people have more anger, which is also equal to fear. Someone gets angry only when he's in fear. When people fear, they rely and they they believe in aggression as a leeway to to get what they want or to um, to help them survive. Mm-hmm. To help them survive. So fear means out of. From their point of view, out of necessity, they become greedy. They cut down trees and they sell them. Mm. They exploit them. Mm-hmm. During my childhood, uh, during the winter, we we have um. um Some icy water in the morning. You know the water in the in the in our well. In you know we we use water. We we use well um, and water that we just put it in the bucket outside. You know they get frozen mm. when it was young. Mm. Uh, this day that's not the case anymore. Not only that is not the case. The stream, the river, they get dry. They get trying, and I can see people mm, I don't know for how long, okay, now they have bigger houses, bigger cars, more expensive cars. They lead um, a high maintenance life, mm-hmm. A life that takes a lot to maintain. Mm-hmm. So when I look at each each town and city, not all of them is able to sustain themselves 
like before. It's not self-sustaining anymore. Yes. And people are more suspicious of each other these days. More suspicious of each other. And people compete. They have anxiety that other people will not recognize them as somebody in the society. Um, that unnecessary comp competition means they always have pressure. Um, to get approval from other people that they are alright, that they are doing okay. In that process, no one has time for the environment anymore. Mm. Self-centered. Self-centered. So a few people left in that self-centered moment. <coughs> so I go back and I do some... Uh, <coughs> Some things, some environmental thing, like in my hometown, we have nine historical lake. Okay. Um, one of them, you know, I didn't know when I was young, just behind my ancestors' house. Now I'm repairing. I, I, I dig them mm -hmm. again, <coughs> and I plant trees. I talk to people. I say, in order to plant trees on the on on the ground, first we have to plant the trees in our heart. If we don't value, if we don't see the trees as part of our living existence, if we don't see them as living being, there's no way they will have a chance to survive. Mm because we don't see that importance. Yes. By the time we come to see, it will be too late and too expensive to grow trees again. It will be very expensive. <coughs> so this is one of the things that I've been doing for maybe 10 years. That's great. Mm. And I think people will listen to you when you, when you say it. Yes, yes. I think they will listen to you and... They will be able to connect in that sense. Yeah, they do. Yes. I, I also speak on television, you know, about environment, and uh, we are interconnected. Uh, how that tree is part of you. It provides you oxygen. Uh, it helps to maintain a healthy ground. Mm, the healthy ground helps maintain a good. Um, and have the agricultural life, uh, which means uh, the food chain uh, and the water. When the rain comes and uh, the earth can, the ground can absorb a lot of water because uh, we have uh, trees and and bushes and, and, right. and grass. That's right, yes. In in a bit simple way that I talk to the people how that's part of our, our existence. But we don't actually, we can't actually see this, okay, even in the family, how we are so much interconnected, interrelated, 
biologically, emotionally, financially, socially. But when we get annoyed with each other, we just don't see that we are part of one another yes. at that moment. Mm. Because uh, with fear, okay, you do this and I'm going to lose this. Mm, I'm going to have to do this for you and I'm going to lose out mm, this and that. When we, when our thought becomes um, based on, becomes driven by fear, we are just disconnected even with our biological relation, relatives. Which includes the landscape, which includes the trees. Exactly. And ecology and the birds. Yes, yes. And all the wildlife. Exactly <coughs> the, the, Buddha, the Buddha said, okay, before a monk builds his own heart, his meditation heart, just, for, just, for, just enough for one person. So you can say this is maybe about three meters, no, four meters, <laughs> four meters by four, um, uh, we call this guti. This is a meditation heart. You mean how the heart or the energy of the heart expands? No, 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 how, before we do this, how we should be mindful of the environment. All right, yes. <laughs> the environment is, okay, about the road, this is about human environment how people uh, uh, move about. Okay, we have to take care that mm. we meditation monks or we, we may choose to meditate in the forest. We have to be mindful that the ground is used by other people. Okay. Right. Including non-human beings. Mm. Non-human. There's a great story that Buddhist monks, um, they go and meditate near the trees they are not <coughs> non-human being. This, according to Indian, a um, belief that Buddhist Buddhism has adopted, mm, the guardian of the trees and and the area, and they are there, okay, with their family, and, uh, and when the monks come in, and 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 don't actually care about themselves. But they just care about that meditation. They just set up their own, you know, small, little, little hearts and, and started meditating. That became um, a disruption um, for the local who are non-living beings. So as a result, uh, the non-living beings say that maybe maybe the ghosts um, uh, haunt them, trying to trying to chase them away, and just to make them go away. So the monk they they got frightened because they now they don't know what's going on. They just focusing on themselves. I want to achieve meditation. It's me. It's about my meditation. Right. Self-centered. You right. can be self-centered even in meditation. Mm. <coughs> in the end, they couldn't do it. They couldn't meditate. The pe the, the 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 locals wouldn't let them to. They they returned to the Buddha. They said, "No, we we don't want to go back there again, and we can't meditate. Please, Harry, the Buddha, you have to go back there. You have to make peace with them." What you have to do is that individually and as a group, 
as a group once in fortnight individually every day you have to think of those people wish them well think about their welfare and well-being this teaching of 10 short verses becomes a discourse on loving kindness okay. <coughs> in practical sense in the monastic discipline okay, when a monk is about to set up his heart first he needs to be aware of the existing roads may existing path maybe um, a footpath maybe um, a road he needs to be aware of that and he needs to be clear of that that place he needs to recognize other people's um, existence other people use another one is okay how far he should be from trees how you know yes um, right so really i mean um i guess what you're describing now we can apply in our day-to-day lives mm. when we're walking in a park for yes. example yes yes yeah. <coughs> maybe walking in the park maybe going to your work if you recognize other people's existence okay um this would be very beneficial for your um, psychological environment okay if you recognize that other people have the need to be there and actually they contribute to the work and they may also have um, some problem with them their individuals so if you recognize that just as the Buddha asked the monks to recognize their environment their human and ecological environment I think you will do a lot better in intrapersonal relationship mm. mm-hmm. sometimes even at home between husband and wife parents and children when someone become self-centered because of the distress um, at work may or maybe because of some other reason you can see how it affects everyone in the family mm. yes in the same way <coughs> I don't recognize uh, the, the environment uh, the, uh, for for the need for the environment to to survive on its own and also in relation to other species i become very self-centered and destructive mm. there is a story from the buddha's past lives <coughs> it's called um, the jataka jataka tale um uh, it's called okay, a black lion. A very self-centered black lion. Mm-hmm. Is resting under a tree. That tree is um, some kind of you know, um, like um, a very valuable tree, maybe very very nice hardwood. When the wind shakes the branches, one branch, one small branch falls on the 
the, the, the lion. The lion got angry. I'm going to destroy you. <clears throat> this is a tale, a tale. So, when he saw someone coming into, uh, I mean, a group of carpenters coming into the forest to get some wood uh, to build a house. Oh, what are you going to do? Oh, we are here. We just we're just looking for some nice wood. We see, we see many, but we can't decide which one. And the the black lions, I know, I will mm -hmm. have you. And he took them to that particular tree yes. that he wanted to revenge. Yes, this is the best. So he wanted that tree to be cut down because that tree didn't respect him. Yes. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now the tree is thinking, this lion comes and rests under my sh my shade, and now is trying to destroy me. And when the people okay started, uh, after okay the lion having uh, given that information, it it left. Now when people started to to cut the trees, the tree asked them, okay, um, uh, the, the, what you are doing, okay, um, well, we know that this tree, uh, you, is very good to make a wheel, want to make a wheel. Oh, is that so? Who, who told you? The black lion. Mm. Now the tree knows. Actually, I'm here as a tree I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. For your will to be perfect and to be better than anyone else, you need the skin of a black lion. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you you should get the skin of the black lion first because okay, if it disappears now, you're going to lose out. Me as a tree, I'm here forever. You can come and cut me anytime. So the people they went after the black lion, they killed the lion, they got the uh, the skin, and they came back. They cut down the tree. You can see uh, the tree and the lion. Uh, that relationship is anger, revenge, yes, yes. dislike, uh, no gratitude. Uh, they don't feel connected with each other. Okay, because of that, both of them become self-destructive. Mm. Uh, this is the moral is that mm, when we become mm, okay, when we are not aware uh, how fear dominates our mind, how fear comes about, we can become self-centered, and with that. The tree and the lion don't see each other as complementary. Instead, they see each other as a threat. Yes. And both become destroyed. Yes. Human and the environment. If the tree is the environment, if the black lion is it's the. Us. <laughs> yes, I can completely. I can completely relate. Um, that story to us as humans <laughs> connected with nature 
So, so then can you, can you give us some tips of how we can do walking meditation in nature? So earlier you started to talk about how when you're walking down, you notice the nature of the path um, and also the distances from the trees. Is that something that uh, we should be aware of? Um, or is it more in how you put focus on the footsteps and how you feel in the on your feet? <coughs> first, for you to connect with the nature, you need to connect with yourself first. You need to connect with your own emotion, especially with your own emotion, with your own thought. If your thought and your emotion are in turmoil, in trouble, you need to relate to them with compassion. As if those troubled thoughts are your only and one child at that moment. No need to blame yourself. Instead, you should bring self-compassion. <clears throat> and comfort yourself. If you don't have those troubling thoughts and emotion, what you should do is then uh, to look at in your mind if you have some joyful feeling. If you have that, you should um, connect with, with those joys mindfully. Okay. Um, the joyous feeling, connect with them. You connect with them. So either compassion or joy. Compassion is for the difficult moment. Joyful feeling is for the um, for the good moment, for the happy moment. With that mindfulness, or shall I, shall I say um, technically, with that mindful compassion and mindful joy, mindful joyous feeling. Now. If you start your walking, you will be one with nature. Okay. Um, the easiest one is, okay, just to look around your nature, survey the environment, and to be a little bit more poetic. Uh, surrender yourself to the environment. Yes. Allow yourself to be absorbed into the environment. As you walk, observe just two things, touching and knowing. Maybe seeing and knowing. When you see the trees, seeing and knowing. If you see and you don't have that awareness of seeing, you may get lost in your thought. When you get lost in your th when you start thinking about the environment, you're not enjoying the environment anymore. You are thinking about how to do. Yes. Okay. You're thinking about conditioning mm -hmm. the environment instead of being part of it. Right. Right. This is a very important psychological point. Mm. So in walking meditation, if you do walking meditation in order to get something, now you are self-centered. Mm. But if you, if you walk meditation, if you walk, just walk. 
Okay. If you walk and just walk, just observe the walking, meaning you're at the present moment. Some people, okay, I give you another example. Some people they wash dishes. They wash their dishes after they they have eaten. They wash the dishes. Why we wash dishes? We know just to clean. To clean is the purpose. Is the goal. Washing is the the task, the instrument. But if your mind is always to clean, to clean, to clean. Mm. The cleanliness is dominating your mind. You are not enjoying the process of cleaning anymore. Yes, it's quite ironic. Yes, because you become results oriented. If you want to have an uh, a degree on architecture, and your mind is just on the degree, you can't enjoy the process of study. How many people have done a lot of research, and and uh, the, with the experiences they have written, um, it's a lot of uh, books and, and and you know just to make necessary information uh, available to you when you come to the university. The same with medicine engineering, but when you become so sensitive, I want to get a degree. I want to become like this. A lot of I, a lot of I. Yes. You don't enjoy uh, reading. You don't feel loved by those people. You don't feel that those people they care about you. That's why they have written, you know, such um, nice book. They have built nice library. They have um, uh, set up nice university. You know, you don't feel that anymore. Why? Because you're so self-centered. In the same way. <coughs> so, so meditation I- um, um, instruction is that when you wash the dishes, just wash the dishes. Take your mind off the cleanliness. Meaning, be at the present moment, enjoy the washing. Mm. If you enjoy the washing, cleanliness is a byproduct. Mm. If you go into the nature. If you enjoy each step, touching the ground, sometimes the uneven ground, sometimes the fallen leaves. You don't see the fallen leaves as untidy. Okay, uh, you're not. You won't be commanded. It shouldn't be there. Somebody should have you know, uh, swept them, uh, sweep them away, and. Mm, and what the council is doing, you know, is dirty. The is 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 carty, You know, this kind of thought will not come. If you don't have this kind of thought, you will enjoy your walking. Because you are in harmony with the ground you step on. You are in harmony with the leaves, the fallen leaves that you step on. You don't wish them to be otherwise other than they are. Mm. It's okay for them to be there like that. Mm. Yes. You have a lot of respect to them. In that way. Mm. I walk in the redwood forest in the uh, in California near um, 
uh, red near near the famous bridge in 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 um, in San Francisco. I heard the other day that the owner wanted to sell it, and people don't know what will happen. They are raising maybe about ten, fifteen millions, uh, public fund to to purchase that. So I was thinking, what could happen? And because you have as old as five hundred years old tree, yeah, in that redwood. Uh, forest. Um, by plant, uh, by having some plants at home, do we become part of the nature? No, actually, we just want we just see them as decoration. Mm. Sometimes just to, um, just to freshen our tired eyes. We don't actually value them as much. Mm. Mm. I didn't think about it from that perspective of having indoor um, <laughs> indoor plants because it's very popular at the moment. I'm sorry if it's too radical. No, <laughs> we, well, I, I appreciate radical. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> um I want to come back to design, and I think that's um, one of the final things that I wanted to touch on. And um, yeah, so really, um, as a landscape designer, as a landscape architect, I was wondering how we could incorporate the Buddhist philosophies in designing for landscapes, because we have had earlier conversations about designing the monastery, for example, and um, do you have a monastery back in Burma, which I do. you do, mm. yes. So from your perspective, because I think the earlier conversations that we've had about the vision that you have for the monastery here at the Forest of Dean, it's, I would say it's very ambitious, it's very positive, um, but you yourself have a strong vision, and I think that's a part of um, that's a part of being a designer mm. is to have a strong vision mm. um, so how do you approach it from uh, obviously as a monk and from a Buddhist perspective it's sort of like I guess what I'm trying to ask you is what would you do if you were a landscape architect or an architect or any other designer then how would you approach the process mm. of designing I hope that's not a um, um, a vague question or no, an abstract no. question in itself. Mm -hmm. uh, having a vision is one thing, and you know when you deal with your customs, how people constrain financially. We always have that. <laughs> yes, there's always a budget, so I guess that's important. And mm. one side is the budget, the other is um, the vision. And the other one is environment. If we have to sacrifice, usually people, unfortunately, they sacrifice the environment. They wouldn't compromise uh, with a, okay, we should go for something uh, green, something more sustainable, you know. Um, not many people think about that. 
like that. <clears throat> so, um, I think the common mistake that monasteries make is um, when the leaders don't have um, a strong enough um, um, a, a vision, they uh, kind of give in to the social pressure uh, that is from their members. Right. We want this, we want that. And sometimes they compete with others. Uh, along the way, they lose their uh, vision, they lose their purpose. <coughs> now they are building something uh, that they are going to use, but for other people, for other people's satisfaction, mm, or to impress other people. So you can see a lot of mixed messages um, in the process. Mm -hmm. In the process, I'm I'm talking about this psychological, mm. psychologically. Um, <coughs> I got um, a few pieces of land that people donate to me. And the first thing I tell them is that uh, to plant more trees before we do anything else. Um, to have tree means okay to look after the ground, to make to to make it to maintain a healthy ground, a healthy water resources, and oxygen so that's as that is an as uh, as important as uh, as the building or the landscape itself when we talk about landscape um people i mean in some places that they, they go for kind of more decorative um a kind of as if you are imagining and designing a heaven on earth um if you are a self-centered person and you want to design heaven on earth your heaven will means what you want yes and what you want i can assure you will not be what you want forever. Mm. At a certain point, you're going to want something different. Mm. I don't know if you remember when Taika would uh, divorce his wife. <coughs> the house that she was given and that she demolished. Uh, a huge house, a very impressive one. Simply, it was not what she wanted. So she demolished that and she built a new one. Yeah. 
I have seen a lot of um, rich people doing that. Mm, for me, Landscape is part of meditation. It's about asking myself, am I focusing on my need more than other people's need? Am I focusing on human need more than environmental needs? Mm. <coughs> it's like a Venn diagram. Yes. Human, ecology, yes. budget. Yes. Yes. So that 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 is you know, what I I have in mind. Um, we we want to serve human humanity, but we can only do so as much as the ecological environment allows us to do. Mm-hmm. If the ecological environment doesn't allow us to do, okay, I just came back from from Bangkok uh, three days ago. Mm. When, I, when I was there, the air pollution was so bad on the 30th September right. that we couldn't have the sun. Right. Um, I was out uh, with a meeting for meetings and, and other things. Mm. I was so occupied with my own schedule and appointment that I couldn't, ca- I, I didn't notice the uh, environment, the air pollution. Only in the evening when I sat down and tried to have a quick look on the news uh, on my iPhone mm. that I discovered I was going around in that environment. For people in Bangkok, this this can be London, okay. this can be Paris, this can be um, Istanbul, it can be anywhere. <coughs> For people in that city, They only protect themselves so they stay indoor. They use air condition, which is not helpful to the environment anymore. When people cannot get out and be part of the nature because the air pollution is so dangerous, where we are going as a humanity? Which direction we are? traveling so for me as as a design if if you um, if you think about this i i like to think like uh the zen the vietnamese zen master dignahan mm-hmm. uh things mm-hmm. to look at the ecology as as uh, as a living being, or, or so there is a philosophy called the philosophy of interconnectedness in Buddhism. To recognize that interconnectedness, and then to plan something. Mm-hmm. We have to rein in. We have to control. Um, I wouldn't say the imagination, but I would say the self-centered desire. Mm. So really being mindful of where our intention comes from mm-hmm. yes. when we're designing. Are yeah. we doing it because we want to impose our view mm. on the landscape mm. rather than thinking or 
being mindful of what what the landscape needs at the moment mm. what we need ecologically at the moment yeah um, <coughs> at the moment i would um i would say some kind of design is already there even the 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 place is so um in an architecture in an architect's eye the place is so raw and so undeveloped uh, but nature has its own design mm. so if we walk in and trying to change everything um, ignoring the existing design i think we are a little bit arrogant mm. i i i I would say it that way. I think that's when it comes to um, having a design process where it's very contextual based. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then that means site analysis mm. becomes the key thing mm-hmm. to and and being able to put time towards doing a good site analysis mm. then would be the key to a more mindful design pro, pro mm. process, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, this makes me think of one other point, which is that I feel at this moment in time also what we as landscape architects are trying to achieve is to replicate the natural environment itself mm. in places like public squares mm. and parks, mm. um, which is not an easy thing to do. Mm. Um, but at the same time, yes, that is what we are trying to achieve to a level of degree. Mm. Whether we succeed with that, um, I'm not completely sure. Mm. But I think people do respond to places that are more green mm. and, you know, have a lot more planting in than just purely hard landscape mm. design. Mm. Mm. Yes. I, 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 I think I, I understand what you say. <coughs> the interconnectedness um, that uh, Buddhist philosophy talks about is that okay, in order for um, the landscape uh, to do well, to be nice, many other things we have to do well. In order for me to do well, other many other people will have to do well. So, um, we don't look at as a landscape design as being separate from other things from mm, mm, civil engineering um, from the human needs from the needs of the animals from the needs of the the trees ecological environment so that interconnectedness is the key in in um, in our philosophy. So, um, with with compassion, meaning with concern for every part, for every stakeholder, uh, living and non-living, human, non-human. We believe with that compassion, the mind becomes more creative, mm. mm-hmm. not less. Mm. We become less creative only when we become self-centered. Mm. Okay. Mm. 
that's a very good point and um everything you say i i can relate to it in terms of you know how how i have felt at a certain moment um in my career um uh, so yes um that's very useful <laughs> um and yeah, so one of the points I, I made was, you know, design can be a fun process because you're using the creative brain. And if you have a huge imagination, then um, then it can be great to be able to tell a story through design. Um, but you can get attached to an idea or goals for a project and that can lead to stress, frustration and anxiety even when you try to have the best intentions. Um, uh, but I guess that's, you know, one of the joys of the job mm. <laughs> or one of the joys of the process mm. is, um, yes, being aware of, aware of that. Mm. And one thing that I wanted to note is when I first came to the monastery, how I was able to connect with your teachings um, was also a part of the environment that was created at the monastery. Um, there was a strong feeling of community mm. and openness. So I didn't feel as though I had to be a Burmese person mm. from Burma mm. coming to visit the monastery. Mm. And I also felt that I could bring my friends from other cultures, mm. other backgrounds to come and hear your teachings and other monks teachings as well um so i i mean i would like to give you praise for for that and Thank being able so to achieve, achieve it yes um i mean i'm joining the meditation again in november and i'll mm. be bringing more people <laughs> because i can't recommend it enough so thank you, thank you. you're more than welcome thank you yeah. um well what are you up to at the moment? Because I I know or I've heard that you have a new book out um, mm. called uh, "Some Forget to Be Happy." To be ha Unfortunately, that's in Burmese. Yes, but that's I thought that was such a great title for it. <laughs> yes, mm. people who are in a position to be happy because they have all the condition to be happy, but are not happy because of the lack of mindfulness. The lack of mindfulness, in this case, the lack of awareness of what they have. They are just going for what is not in their hand, what they haven't got, what they haven't achieved. Once they have achieved, they will soon lose the excitement because people identify excitement as happiness. Mm. The whole idea of happiness is centered on excitement. So without the element of excitement, they can't feel happy. How can you find anything, anything at all to excite you many times? Your phone, your computer, you know, when you first buy them, it's very new. You are quite aware where you place them, where you keep them. After some time, okay, you know, they are not as exciting anymore. Mm. But they are still very helpful 
for your work, for your, I mean, to make your life uh, comfortable. Isn't that enough? For some people, that's not enough. They want excitement as well. So, I describe them as people who forget to be happy. Mm. They are in position to be happy. They are not happy simply because they forget. They forget how to, mm. how to be happy. When they are eating something, a nice food, the first time may be okay because it's exciting. The second time, if they have to eat the same dish, maybe the second day running, there's no excitement element in that animal. The dish still remains the same, still gives you the same uh, nutrition, the same um, energy, but it cannot give you excitement anymore. Maybe it can. The dish still gives you excitement, but you are not able to receive that anymore. Mm. Not the dish that has changed, it's you yes. who have changed. Absolutely. So what, what happened to you is that okay, you start looking, you start thinking about the food that is not in your plate, that is not on the table. When you get distracted by something that is not in your hand, you are growing the seed of unhappiness and discontent. How it doesn't matter how expensive your car is, how nice your house is, because you're after the excitement. And another thing is, um, you can call this gratitude. <coughs> if I have a piece of bread, for this piece of bread to be on the table when I feel hungry, when I need it, there are many people who have worked for this, just to ensure this piece of bread is the, the people who grow the wheat, the people who process that, the people who transport that, the people who uh, take care of the um, uh, security outside, who take care of the food security, mm, many things. Mm. So when I'm aware of that, I feel so careful and so loved by those people through this piece of bread. In the same way, look at the water in my mug, in the mug, in my hand. Mm -hmm. For me to take it, to drink it whenever I feel dehydrated, many engineers have worked on this, creating many, many types of um, machine technologies, uh, many business people invest in that, in those things, and and many governments, successive governments, and had have done their part. 
to ensure that um, I have a running water, safe water to drink. So when I have this in mind, I feel so careful mm. and so loved by even the people I don't know. Mm. So as a result, I don't live in fear because um, if I know even the people who don't know me personally, they just care so much about me. Okay. We have nasty people out there, but we have more good people. Mm, it's not necessarily how the media portrays it, but I do believe that as well. I mean, a mm. lot of times in the news, you get, you know, the the terrible news, the drama um, on uh, the television. That's that's it because that's because we want it. We as a consumer, absolutely, they know this is what we want, mm. and they have the the television. Pre- mm, um business okay they know exactly uh, which piece of news okay people uh, demand more they can see the rating of 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 that particular news there and then at that moment mm. okay so they know psychologically which one people are people feel attracted to mm. negativity bias is the word in psychology we retain more of the negative news than the positive one. Mm. <clears throat> because we just do negative reinforcement. Now, as a society, the media, everything, we can't blame the media. Media is part of us. It's like that. <clears throat> Why I say we can't blame the media? Um, a professor from Harvard University did uh, a review from the 1960 to 2000 of publication in psychology. He found out, and he was shocked. He found out something that shocked him. There was only one uh, research focusing on positive things for every 21 that focus on negative things. Right. Wow. Even psychology has a problem. Mm. Okay. So what do we do then? We have to take this. We have to meditate on this. We have to contemplate on it deeply and feel compassion for the whole humanity. And trying to do something positive. Okay, if we can connect with all those negativities and feel their pain, we wouldn't want to blame them. Mm. Not the media, not the television. Yeah. If you watch um, a positive program. If many people watched it, that program will be put on the prime time because they are just commercial people. 
Okay. If the shocking news is what people are addicted to, because it got the highest rating, that's what they're going to give you. Mm-hmm. They give you what you ask for. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so it then again reflects back to humanity. <laughs> I don't. I don't blame the media at all. <laughs> yes, Instead, yeah. I feel compassion for them. You know, mm-hmm. they have to be doing this all the time. Some of them have to risk themselves in order to get some That's true. shocking news. That's true. Yes. Yeah. In horrible circumstances. Mm. Yes. Mm. And and when I read the, the website like BBC website, CNN website like this, mm. sometimes they change. They change the text. They can't even correct the grammar. <laughs> No, <laughs> because it's so fast. <laughs> so, fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was thinking to do um, something for each episode, mm. which is that um, I want um, our viewers and I guess including myself to to learn a new word, mm. um, and whether as um, our guest, whether you could give us a new word to learn or to contemplate on. Mm. As part of um, having you as a guest on the show, <coughs> one word that I'd like to give you is um, pro-social uh, thinking. When you say thinking, I also say I, I also mean emotion. Pro-social. Pro-social. Mm-hmm. In technical, it's called pro-sociality. Okay. Is in the Oxford Handbook of Compassion Science. Right. Compassion is about pro-social. Right. When we say pro-social, of course, here they only talk about human being. Yes, that's how what I think of yeah. as well. But mm. as an as as an <coughs> um, architect, if you extend the definition to include the um, ecological environment people say pro-environment if you are pro-environment and not pro-social if you are pro-social not pro-environment okay, these are the constraints of the words but my take on pro-social environment that you cannot be pro-social if you are not pro-environment if you are pro-environment alone and you ignore the suffering of the people that pro-environment cannot sustain itself Mm-hmm. You can <coughs> look at well in conferences in America, I I come across and I have to make myself familiar with the United Nations uh, Millennium Developments uh, Sustainable Goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, those sort of things. You know, uh, but when you look at them, you have education. Uh, you have um, social aspect, you have environmental aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they are uh, economic aspect. They are all interconnected. Mm. Yes. Interconnected. So here, when I say pro-social, as I have mentioned in my um, in the story that I have cited earlier, it's not only living beings. I mean non-living being as well. Okay. I mean pro-ecological um, and social environment. Okay. 
Thank That's you. a great word. Thank you very much. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you for your time. Thank you. <laughs> that was quite a lot of food for thought there. And hopefully it has given you some new insights. If you are interested in Vipassana meditation and having conversations on related topics like this, I highly recommend you checking out the free monthly meditation retreats at the Forest of Dean site and also in Oxford. I'll put a link in the show notes of the related information. Please do share with me via email at thebinpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at thebinpodcast with your biggest learnings of the episode. My favorite quote by Venerable Dr. Damasami from the conversation is, We want to serve humanity, but we can only do so as much as the ecological environment allows us to do so. I will be putting more of those highlights on Instagram so you can share with others. Until next time, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on our next episode. And please give this podcast a rating and review to show your support.